With the Narcotics Control Bureau going on a spree to acquiring phones and extracting WhatsApp data over its probe into the alleged drug angle in the Sushant Singh Rajput case, WhatsApp users are concerned about the security and privacy of their chats. In recent developments, as the investigation switched gear from a drug angle in the SSR case to cracking down on an alleged Bollywood quote-unquote drug nexus, the NCB seized phones of actors Shraddha Kapoor, Sara Ali Khan, Deepika Padukone and Padukone's manager Karishma Prakash after hours of questioning in connection with WhatsApp chats that purportedly included mentions of marijuana and other drugs. And reports say that the investigative agency is also planning to extract data from their phones, including WhatsApp chats to verify their statements, just like they did for Riya Chakraborty. But with all these developments revolving around WhatsApp and chats being leaked to the media as well, the questions that are coming up are how safe are our WhatsApp chats? How is the NCB accessing chats if there are end-to-end encryptions in place? And are there reasons to worry about a privacy? To deep dive into these questions of security and privacy on WhatsApp, we spoke to Udbhav Tiwari, who's the public policy advisor for Mozilla. You're tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Shalbri. Now, WhatsApp has over 2 billion users across the world with a large part of its user base coming from India, which is an estimation of roughly 400 million users as of 2019. And that's all the more reason to be concerned about the platform security. In fact, that's why the end-to-end encryption was rolled out in the first place in 2016. And as doubts on WhatsApp security surfaces in the light of this case, recently the company which is owned by Facebook reiterated that and I'm quoting the statement, quote WhatsApp protects your messages with end-to-end encryption so that only you and the person you're communicating with can read what is sent and nobody in between can access it not even WhatsApp. It's important to remember that people sign up on WhatsApp using only a phone number and WhatsApp doesn't have access to your message content. End quote. So then the question is how is the NCB accessing WhatsApp chats? Before we get to that, let's start with Udbhav Tiwari explaining what is the extent of security that end to end encryption provides i think when it comes to whatsapp and end to end encryption it is really important to keep in mind that end to end encryption only protects messages between two devices and not necessarily when the messages are on those two devices themselves this means that anybody who tries accessing a message when it is in transit say when i send it to my friend hypothetically will only be able to see the encrypted content of the message and not the actual content of that message which would be useful to them or which would make sense this means that law enforcement agencies hackers internet service providers as well as the providers of services such as whatsapp and signal themselves the owners of these service can't see end to end encrypted messages because they're actually encrypted So does that mean that end-to-end encryption is not foolproof? The caveat here as Mr. Tiwari points out is that although it's true that no third party can access messages exchanged between two people, hackers and security agencies are likely to gain access to chats via the actual device or even a cloud backup more than breaking the encryption. While there's no confirmation on how the NCB access chats of the accused exactly, this is the most plausible explanation. 
This does not mean that these messages are also encrypted when they are on the devices of the people who sent them. This, the messages on my phone and the messages on their phone can actually still be accessed by law enforcement agencies, by hackers, and by any individual who actually gets physical access to their phone or is able to remotely hack them. So I would say that WhatsApp and end-to-end -end encryption is a much safer way of communicating, but it is definitely not foolproof. There is also the possibility of backups where services like WhatsApp actively offer to backup your messages both on the device as well as on online services such as Google Drive where they are not stored in an end-to-end -end encrypted manner. This means that if a law enforcement agency or a hacker is able to access my Google Drive or my Google account, they may be able to download that those messages and then access them once they've been set up on device. In this case, I think in from what is available in the public domain, government agencies like the NCB have only been able to access these messages because they have found them on the phones of device of individuals who've been called in for questioning. This means that individuals who have given up their phone to the police as a part of the investigative process could have had their WhatsApp messages accessed and then read uh, as a part of an investigation. It is extremely unlikely that end-to-end -end encryption itself has been broken. And it's much more likely that investigative agencies like the NCB or any other individual, in fact, outside of the law enforcement space who has access to these devices, therefore now has access to the messages despite the protections provided by end-to-end -end encryption. While this is becoming increasingly clear that the government agencies can dig into WhatsApp chats if they want to, there's more than just one concern that's propped up in this case. As we've seen in the media coverage, screenshots of certain messages accessed by news channels were being blown up on screens. And what had started with screenshots of Rhea Chakrabarti's chats have now shifted to leaked chats of Deepika Padukone. But it's one thing for investigative agencies to gain access to the chats and a completely different thing for selective chats to get leaked to the media. Does this bring in a privacy concern as well? Is there any scope for accountability for the breach of privacy here? Mr. Tiwari says that although the Whistleblowers Protection Act allows security agencies or the government to get in touch with the media and share information that is to the interest of the larger public, it's important to maintain a balance between that and an individual's right to privacy. I think with regard to WhatsApp chats and them being leaked to the media, it's important to keep in mind that there is something known as whistleblower protection and that there is broadly a lot of benefit in keeping the principle that anyone in the government or a law, including law enforcement agencies, should be able to reach out to the media and share information that they believe is in the larger public interest. And there is that broader idea of why that is an important principle in democracy. However, in this case, I think it's important to think to very carefully analyze what has actually taken place. Many of the chats that are, have actually been made available are almost have been made available in real time and have clearly played a very tangible role in an almost parallel trial by media being carried out as well as in influencing public perception around the issue. As we have already seen in the recent past, some courts, including the Delhi High Court, have actually issued di 
a recommendation, not a direction and not a binding order, that the media refrain from reporting upon issues in a manner that would prejudice the rights of the accused, which in this case would be many of the people who've been called in for questioning and have charge sheets filed against them, or broadly public opinion in this case. So I think that it's very important to strike that balance between not interfering with whistleblower protection and the right that is available to government servants and law enforcement agencies to reach out to the media for matters of public interest versus strategically leaking information to shape public opinion and ensure that certain individuals are highlighted in a particular manner. When it comes to accountability for the latter taking place, I think it is a fairly gray area. And while we have seen some of the actions, like I mentioned earlier, by the Delhi High Court recommending that things get a little better, there currently isn't too much under Indian law that would make sure that this does not take place or make sure that the individuals who are doing this are necessarily held to account. And that brings us to the question of data protection. But all questions on digital privacy, security and surveillance ultimately point towards data protection laws or, in the case of India, the lack of it. Time and again, digital watchdogs and internet rights activists in India have argued for the extreme necessity of personal data protection laws to ensure redressal mechanisms for users and accountability. Yet, even as the government advocates for a digital India, there's no legislation on data protection. Is WhatsApp encryption rendered useless without data protection laws to back it up as well? If we take the example of India, millions of people benefit from better privacy and better security due to using encryption on websites when they use HTTPS websites and when using encryption for financial transactions when they transact on the internet and by using end-to-end encrypted messaging services such as Signal and WhatsApp. And all of this takes place in India without us having a data protection law. However, I do think that the framework of accountability that a strong data protection law will provide, not just against private entities, but also against government surveillance, is one of the only real ways to make sure that the benefits of encryption can accrue to consumers and citizens and businesses in a reliable manner. This is because when one's right to privacy is breached, it is only via a strong data protection law that people can be held to account for breaching that fundamental right to privacy, whether that right is breached by a private individual or whether it is breached by the state. Because such a strong data protection law is currently absent in India, many of the benefits provided by encryption stop applying when encryption is no longer available to protect the information of citizens. Mr. Tiwari also explains that bringing in data protection laws would also mean that the state getting access to chats or leaking it to the press, as has been the case in the Sushant Singh Rajput investigation, can be grounds for one to go to the Data Protection Authority. I think that with the broader idea of data protection and privacy is that it is only with the consent of individuals that their information can be shared and processed in a particular manner. In this case, even if India were to have a data protection law, and we don't have a data protection law right now, when it comes to the investigative process, apart from issues of government surveillance, the state would quite clearly have the ability and the power to access this investigation, to access this information as a part of its investigation and as a part of evidence collection during this investigation. But I think the fact that it is leaked to the media in the manner in which it has probably 
would be better subject to not only restrictions but also redressal when it if we had a data protection law for example if we had a data protection authority then maybe individuals whose information is being leaked in the public domain in this way could reach out to the data protection authority and say that this is being done so without their consent and where while their consent is not necessary for law enforcement officials to access that information as a part of a criminal investigation their consent probably may be necessary with when this information is actually leaked to the media in such a strategic manner if you like listening to this episode please subscribe to the big story playlist for episodic updates we'll have on apple google podcast spotify geo7 and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms For other podcasts please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section for any feedback shoot an email to podcasts@thequinn.com Thanks for listening log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts